0: In Episodes 1 through 9, you might hear the podcast name Heart of Nashville mentioned. This podcast was originally called Heart of Nashville, but due to a name conflict, I decided to change the podcast name to Nashville Untold and relaunch it. Just wanted to note that so it was not confusing when a guest or myself mentioned the name Heart of Nashville instead of Nashville Untold in the first few episodes.
1: Here it comes. It's Nashville Untold with
0: Andrew Buckwalter. The podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Thanks for tuning in to episode two of Heart of Nashville. Today I'll be sitting down with Joel Anderson. Joel actually designed the logo for Heart of Nashville. And I think you will definitely enjoy his story as he walks through a little bit of his life, a little bit of his journey. Lots of wisdom out there. Sit back and enjoy. Hello, Nashville. Today I am sitting down with Joel Anderson with Anderson Design Group. He has some pretty awesome artwork and designs and of many things around Nashville and parks and i'll let him elaborate on that um but before we dive into the interview i'm gonna ask a few questions kind of a speed round all right um so what quickly comes to your mind um shoot it out peanuts peanuts that's there you go right in front of you right <laughs> um all right so how long have you lived in nashville
2: i moved here in 1986 so we're, i guess 30 something years now
0: okay uh, Why would you move to Nashville?
2: I went to art school in Sarasota, Florida, and um, the f- person who hired me to come to Nashville uh, lived in Nashville and was a Ringling alum as well, okay. so I came here to work.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, where did you, you move
2: from Sarasota? Are you from Sarasota? I've lived everywhere. So okay. I was born in Colorado, moved to Dallas, then to Curaçao, then to El Salvador in Central America, then back to Dallas, then upstate New York, then back to Curaçao and then went to art school. Well, actually stopped in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for high school, then art school in Sarasota, Florida where I met my wife and then moved to Nashville. Nice. So after all that moving around, I said I need a hometown because yes. all my friends would go home for Christmas and say I'm going to my I'm going home and I said I'm going to my parents' house cuz they moved two more times
0: after I wow. graduated. So Nashville is home. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, So what part of town do you currently live in um, And why did you choose that location Yeah we started out
2: in Sylvan Park Actually our first apartment was right on West End Avenue Just a couple blocks from the office over here Mm -hmm. And then we moved to Sylvan Park And lived there 10 years And then out to what we It's a Brentwood address but it's technically Oak Hill South Nashville Mm
0: -hmm. Favorite restaurant
2: There's so many good ones And they're popping up every week Mm -hmm. Pretty much yeah, I like, I'm not a vegetarian, but I love Avo. They got some really great food. I love Indian food here, and so there's two or three spots I like to frequent. I like Mexican food, so there's a few things. So Nashville's got it all, and it's really hard to name one because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bouncing around all the time. Yeah, it really is. Every mm-hmm. time somebody
0: asks me, I'm like, uh, i have to ask my wife, because yeah. I can't remember, because mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of good ones. Favorite hobby? I like to garden, and I like to hike and explore,
2: so anytime I can get outside and be outside, I love it. Cause so what's, been- uh, what's
0: two of your favorite parks around Nashville?
2: Uh, Radnor Lake is mm-hmm. awesome, and then to get outside of Nashville, and there's all kinds of state parks within two or three hours' drive, mm-hmm. so Standing Stone was the first one I ever went to, and then Fall Creek Falls, and... Oh, there's just so many of them.
0: Where should I take my boys? We're gonna forego the beach and probably hit mm-hmm. up a park. Where would you take this? And uh, yeah, pack with
2: them. You might have fun if you wanted to do a combo of like go to Chattanooga and you have the aquarium and everything downtown, and then just about 45 minutes outside, it's called Cloudland Canyon. Okay. And Cloudland Canyon is technically in Georgia, but it's very close to Tennessee, and it's got this
0: huge gorge and waterfalls and hiking trails, and that's okay. pretty cool. Cool. I, I, my wife would like that because. She was kind of set on the beach, but um, I'm like, well, let's keep it simple. Um, so tell me something uh, a little crazy about yourself. I love uh, peanut
2: butter. That's, that's not crazy, but anything right. with peanut butter, anything with the wasabi, I like flavors that are, that are just kind of distinct, and then they change the character of everything else around it. Yes. And as a designer, it's kind of like food does the same thing with color. It just sort of tints it and taints it and makes it a new thing. And so I like experimenting with with any kind of flavor and take it where you don't expect it to go. Right. And I discovered Thai food a long time ago where they had peanuts in it and chili. And so if you dip a, p- a peanut butter sandwich into a bowl of chili, like you go to somebody's house for chili, ask them for bread and peanut butter and put them together and it'll knock your socks really? off. Really? Those okay. two flavors actually go together.
0: Nice. And it yeah. doesn't really
2: matter what kind of chili. Just no. Chili. If it's just good spicy red chili with meat or whatever, but you, yeah. you put the bread and peanut butter in there, and when the peanuts hit the chili, it does something. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay,
0: that's awesome. I will definitely have to try it. My son loves peanut butter. He'll just take a spoon and Mm -hmm. just eat it. Um, So what's one of the most exciting places you visited? I guess it
2: depends on what kind of excitement we're talking about. If it's blown away by just grandeur, then the Grand Canyon or the Grand Tetons or Yellowstone, Yosemite. These places, um, I'm fortunate to be doing a series of poster art that celebrates the National Park, so I actually have to go there to experience them, and I get to write it off as work, but I'm doing that with my family, and so I'm going to take my sons out there and hike or the whole family in an RV. Um, that's pretty exciting because we don't really know what we're going to see, and you get out there, and you everything everything's a discovery almost every day.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So did you... Um get engaged in sarasota
2: yes um, my wife's french and she came to this country when she was 16 and we met at art school and dated for three years um her parents had beauty salons in paris and she cuts hair and she was doing that in the dorms and i was lining up people because i was the ra in the dorms and so i could get her customers right so i paid for my first two or three haircuts, and then got them for free after that for nice. the rest of my life and i did uh, propose to her in sarasota we got married in sarasota bay on a boat The General Jackson Kind of Boat over there It's not the General Jackson yeah, but Similar right. to that And in um, Her family's Jewish And My family's Christian And we didn't want to do it In a church or a synagogue So we got married In neutral waters Out there With a messianic uh, Rabbi Doing the ceremony It was a
0: pretty cool Combination nice. there well, The reason I asked Is because I proposed To my wife in Sarasota Oh yeah Yeah. On, on the beach So um, I know there's a restaurant Hemingway mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. So there's like a curve it's it's where i think the main area of the beach is like mm-hmm. it just goes on and on yeah um, like lido key or siesta key or it wasn't siesta key okay yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah we uh we had her her family had a managed uh trailer park in hmm. Bradenton, mm-hmm. and so one year we went there and it's like oh let's go to the beach and we get to the beach and I was disappointed because it wasn't what I envisioned as mm-hmm. you know some of the beaches I've seen. So they somebody had said check out you know Siesta Key, and so I was like all right, so we go there, and I was like oh this is awesome. That's the beach right there. And uh, and so we had actually um, we one night we were going out, we were mm-hmm. to catch the sunset. Mm-hmm. Well, she shot too late with her mom, mm-hmm. and we missed it. We literally were chasing it down trying mm-hmm. to see it. But ironically, it set up a great. Um, a great opportunity for next year because that's when I proposed Mm. and it was like we weren't going to miss it and so we ended up you know catching it I proposed right when the sun was going down it was perfect so Mm -hmm. um, yeah I I love uh, I love that beach it's It's a town it's a drive
2: we we go to Destin all the time because that's only about seven hours from Mm -hmm. Nashville Mm -hmm. so we've got a little place down there and you don't get to see sunsets on the water too often in Destin except for certain times of the year when the it's angled just right yeah but when we're feeling adventurous we go an extra six hours down to Sarasota
0: And it's always warmer down there too Yeah, we've had a timeshare So I guess the nice thing about it is We're limited, you know, based mm-hmm. on what they have available mm-hmm. But that's allowed us to hit several beaches You know, yeah. around Florida Sneaky. And Sarasota being still the nicest one mm-hmm. you know. Although the we went back for a 10-year anniversary Just us mm-hmm. And the I remember going out one of the first days And it felt like we were on the lake hmm. Like no way That yeah. was the only disappointing Gulf of Mexico's not yeah, because I like the East Coast. I could just sit there and watch the mm-hmm. waves crash. And, yeah. Know, but uh, but then a storm came up and mm. uh, it was good for the waves, but then it it wet wetted the sand mm-hmm. and it was just like thick the rest of the time. That was kind of a bummer. <laughs> All right, so um, so tell me a little bit of I guess a broad broad about yourself and what you're doing.
2: Yeah, um, I run a graphic design firm. Is what we started out as in almost 25 years plus doing that. But um, we morphed into an illustration studio because I studied illustration. And so um, we used to do logos and branding and packaging and all kinds of corporate stuff and loved doing that. But my real passion was um, illustrating and doing poster art. So we started the Spirit of Nashville collection back in 2004 to show off our city to clients from New York and L.A. and places who really didn't get the South. They didn't didn't understand that this was you know cool and creative and we wore shoes and had all of our teeth and stuff like that. <laughs> <clears throat> so I went around and said, "Okay, what are my favorite 13 places in Nashville?" and that included the Loveless and just different things that are just so iconic to Nashville that you couldn't find them anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And we made a, a calendar full of 13 posters and people started ripping out the the posters to frame them and we stumbled into you know poster art to actually create it to be sold as wall decor and so now um 150 posters later on nashville and then we've done world travel and other American cities and national parks and so we just love poster art and it's based on the golden age of posters back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s before photography was king. Everything was hand-lettered, hand-illustrated and so that's what we do now is we really just try to create beautiful poster art that evokes a memory of a special place that you've been to and you kind of want to hold on to that and put it on your wall so you never forget that experience that you had at that special
0: place. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. It's fun funny, um, I did this thing this weekend, and it was uh, kind of a men's meetup, and both mornings they met at the Parthenon mm-hmm. at uh, 6, <laughs> and did an exercise, so it's cool, now I have a memory mm-hmm. of running the whole thing, doing burpees. And <laughs> yeah, and so kind. you might need to get one of our
2: Parthenon posters. Yeah. A lot, uh, a lot of people, They there's a story behind every one of these things, and people say, oh, my fiance proposed to me on this bridge or i remember having breakfast with my kids at the pancake pantry and they're grown up now but we still want that poster in our kitchen to remind us of those days and yeah. so most yeah. of our art is really made to evoke a memory and, and kind of hold on to a slice of life right. that you, you don't want to forget
0: and it's really cool stuff too thanks um all right so thinking back to uh, your younger years um what influence did your family or your environment have on you Um, I was always drawing and doodling, and my
2: parents encouraged my creativity, even though nobody else in the family was an artist. So that was interesting that they didn't really do it themselves, but they saw that I enjoyed it, and they encouraged it. So that was um, important. And then we traveled so much, I think my exposure to the world and to seeing all kinds of different places um, was very inspiring as far as just culture and aesthetics and flavors and so i've always kind of been a wanderer i love nashville it's home but i have to get out every you know couple of months and go someplace and do something and then i bring back all those experiences and turn them into some kind of artistic expression that i can save and and then share with other people
0: that's cool so yeah so obviously because you named all those places that you've lived, Mm -hmm. Um, that environment probably helped definitely the creativity in your mind Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah,
2: and I actually look back and I enjoyed being a minority in some countries where i understand what it feels like to not be the majority and so certain things like that just kind of give me a little bit more empathy and understanding mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. how to do life with other people and
0: speak you know on an emotional level yeah yeah that was actually kind of a exact conversation i had with the, the podcast i did yesterday um musician and he's mm-hmm. been all around and just the more people you meet the more uh, you know you understand different cultures, and mm-hmm. you're empathetic and have more grace for mm-hmm. stuff that you might not agree with, but mm-hmm. you realize that, hey, we're all different. You yeah. Know? Um, what did your parents do to to move that much?
2: Yeah, my dad worked for Texas Instruments and in another company, and they would usually start a manufacturing plant and train local people how to get it up and running, and once it was going well, then get reassigned to some other place. So whenever we are in other countries, we we're always hanging out with missionaries, diplomats, business people, and you know government or military brats and and so we're all kind of huddled together as the English speaking clan but
0: from all different you know walks of life yeah that's pretty cool mm-hmm. like that's the, the the one bummer about um doing real estate in nashville and loving the city Mm -hmm. is i don't ever intend to move Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um so you do have to like you said create experiences to get out Mm -hmm. to keep experiencing culture because when some people are moving i'm like man that'd be fun to go to colorado (coughs) um and live there because i love it out there Mm -hmm. you know but uh but there's a lot. But of you can
2: place. always go visit. But you can. there's no place like home. And I don't know what it is about Nashville, but maybe it's the four seasons. It's the yep. South. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things about it that makes it the place to come back to and want to live. And we're getting a hundred people a day from all over the country moving yep. here. So we must be doing there something right. That very right, attractive right. Uh, yeah. Maybe
0: it was the Nashville show. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I think it's. Yeah, yeah it's funny when uh, like this weekend there was a few people because there was people from all around, mm-hmm. and a couple you know had interest in Nashville. And I always feel like I meet go into sales mode and mm-hmm. sell Nashville, but it's really just because I really enjoy, mm-hmm. like you said, all the aspects about Nashville that make it really And you
2: cool. don't have to sell the place. I think it sells yeah, itself. It does. And I, I listened to the governor's State of the State address last night, and Nash- Nashville is the hub of Tennessee, and Tennessee is a very well-run state, and we're doing so well economically, and we're just doing a lot of things right, and people are actually starting to pay attention to this state, and
0: saying, hey, you know, maybe right. we could learn something from these guys. You know? Now let's see how we're doing the, the infrastructure, yeah that's that uh, one thing that needs to be dealt with <laughs> that'll be interesting because you know it, it's kind of like people go well look at this city this city and we're kind of mm-hmm. trying to do our own thing
2: to some degree that's so. one thing i like about you know seattle and portland they get the bike thing down the yes. public transportation thing nashville's really not set up for that so it's going to be expensive to retrofit
0: yeah. it but right we, we need to do something yeah definitely Um, So what are some pivotal markers in your life that helped shape who you are today? Hmm. Definitely wrestling
2: with faith. I grew up in a family that went to church, and so we had these... Kind of Christian religious beliefs, but then coming around to seeing what, how do you put this into action and make it real and living by that? And so it's it's in, that's the nice thing about the South; they allow you. It's it's not uh, uh, looked down upon, I guess, if if you you know live by your faith. And so it's integrated into every aspect of life, and in in business, uh, especially, it's kind of cool to, to say what well, if I'm going to apply these principles of always tell the truth, always pay your bills on time, treat people fairly, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. it's It's actually a a successful, you know, combination of of just, hey, live this way. People want to be treated well and it actually benefits you in the long run. So I think that influence of, of a background of faith, um, something I could carry forward and it definitely has colored everything that I, I do now. And I think also just, um, creativity, um, being able to express myself, uh, and enjoy connecting with other creative people has been a a, a wonderful thing throughout the years. And so meeting people that inspire me, and they could be musicians, they could be chefs, they could be artists, but anybody who creates has a similar gift where they can kind of bring joy to other people and and kind of bring people together with whatever it is that they they do that's creative. I think the mixture of faith and creativity kind of defines uh, who I am and how I do business and how I live
0: life. That's cool. I like that. Um, so tell me about a, uh, a person who had a big influence on your life um, and then who is somebody currently maybe uh, an author or somebody that mm-hmm. you know, you kind of look up to. Um, I,
2: I remember my first boss in Nashville, um, Glenn Petak, and then he was with Cardin and Cherry Advertising, and Glenn um, worked with Buster Cherry and uh, Jerry Cardin, and these guys were kind of influential in kind of making advertising really creative and goofy so they had the Ernest P. Worrell character and did Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Goes to Camp and I got to work on those movies and stuff and so these guys are, are real influential in helping me kind of shape my understanding of business and creativity and art and design and illustration um, and then moving on to uh, inspirational people as far as authors go I like to read all the time but Um, I do think like C.S. Lewis and some of these guys who were really deep thinkers, they integrated kind of literature with theology, with philosophy. And so his buddies, Tolkien, who did Lord of the Rings, some some of these guys really, uh, they just were out there as far as really exploring literature, art, and bringing it in together with the contemporary human experience. And, I mean, you, you can't get tired of some of those some of those old books, right?
0: Can right. reread them all the time. One of my favorite, and I've mentioned it several times at different scenarios, but is uh, "Love Does" by Bob Goff. You've mm-hmm. heard of that one? Yeah, yeah, It's really good. Have you read it? Mm-hmm. I love it. I love. I love. Speaking of, uh, not speaking, but thinking of Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Do you recall the Mexican uh, um, scenario where he was a waiter and he leaned over to hand the food?
2: Refresh my memory.
0: He, uh, it, well actually it wasn't a Mexican restaurant. He had Mexican before he mm-hmm. started this new position with this mm-hmm. job and he leaned over. And as he did, this, um, really loud noise came out from behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like, it, and it was a really nice mm-hmm. high end restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they were, you know, the people were just in, like, all like, Oh my gosh, did he, you know, and he ended up getting fired, but it mm-hmm. was, it yep. was so funny, man. Um, yeah. I actually, my wife had, we listened to a podcast, uh, Mm-hmm. of him and his wife mm-hmm. uh, it was really good um talked about um being parenting and mm-hmm. you know working as a team and stuff yeah. like that so it was pretty cool
2: donald miller has books yes. like that too yes. yep. it's just real raw you know everyday yep you know faith meets life meets yes. everything
0: else and mash it together and yep make it real that's actually i read uh it's a million miles in a thousand days mm-hmm. is that what it's called I always yeah. get it confused but read that one and then um he mentioned bob goff and mm-hmm. then of course bob yeah. but yeah those two those two books were you know um pretty instrumental in me you mm-hmm. know getting out of my job and jumping into mm-hmm. real estate and just kind of not settling Well, my whole business actually
2: is a faith adventure because when i worked for Carn and cherry for seven years and i i had these kind of religious beliefs that okay if there is a god you're supposed to put your faith in him and and sort of do these things. But what if you just tried to apply to every part of your life? And, and that includes provision. And so I had always a backup plan and a backup plan to that and some money and savings in case this thing wasn't real. But I just felt this prompting to quit your job and just trust me and see what happens. And so I talked to my wife about it. She had the sense of peace, which was the first sign that this this was different, because she didn't she wasn't worried about it. And we were expecting our second child, and we had company insurance, and so all these things made sense to just wait till the baby was born and then do it. But I felt that prompting, saying, "No, do this now." So this was uh, March. I turned in our resignation. Uh, and the, my boss said, hey, can you just stay on for a month so we can find a replacement? So April Fool's Day was the first day of Anderson Thomas design. Okay. With my buddy, David Thomas. And we started that company with no money in savings because the day I turned in my resignation, the IRS said I miscalculated all my freelance withholdings, and I owed them everything I had in the oh bank. Oh, no. So we're down to zero. Are you serious? And so the, the plan was do not borrow any money. Just pray and wait and see what happens. And so everything that we've ever done was just you know, um, a little instance of this coming along at the right time and that happening as it should perfectly. And so, um, yeah, so that, that's what I mean when I talk about faith in, in real life, it's, it's like, you can say you believe something, but until you, if you think that chair is going to hold you up, that's just a belief, but it's actually faith when you go and sit on it and it didn't collapse under your weight. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what
0: we're talking about. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I was talking to a, a, an older friend of mine lives in Minnesota and um, he's like I don't like my job he's got a nice cushy job insurance and you know everything's great from a job perspective but he just didn't like it mm-hmm. and so he's like I've always had interest in real estate and when I get to talking about you know my transition I get pretty excited about it and sometimes I have to make sure am I giving all the details because you know I don't want to be so excited that somebody jumps in it and they're like man why'd you convince me to do this because it's harder than I thought mm-hmm. um, but you know, we talked about it, and at the end, I'm like, well, "What's holding you back?" Mm-hmm. You know, and the only thing, fear. Yeah. I'm like, "You got everything else in line." I was like, "And your wife's supportive." I'm mm-hmm. like, "Just do it." Yeah. You know, I was like, "Cause fear isn't what you live by, is it?" Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, he texted me uh, two days ago, said, "I started the class." You know? mm-hmm. So I that's thought awesome. that was pretty cool, because um, yeah, mine was a, a journey and mm-hmm. progression. So that's pretty neat. So as we had mentioned earlier. Um, pretend this isn't a Facebook post, so it doesn't all have to be, you know, superficial. Um, what, uh, what, some struggles you've had along your journey, um, and how did they affect you, and how did you get through it and make it make you a better person? Um,
2: success, I think, is harder than failure sometimes. And after doing our business for about ten years, we started to become so successful that it became almost a little dangerous Um, Universal Studios had become one of our clients we just finished working on Jurassic Park 3 and we were doing huge projects with gigantic budgets and we were quite heady stuff winning awards and everything and I'd always thought if I can attain these certain you know, levels of success or notoriety or get this award, then I'll feel complete or successful or whole. Or And and every time I accomplished something, it still wasn't enough and it didn't bring me what I thought it would. Then uh, the economy completely came unraveled in 2000, 2001. And all these people that we were doing business for, we had 15 employees, had a huge payroll, all kinds of monthly overhead. All of a sudden I could pick up the phone and call. All these clients had just given us a giant projects like a few months before and said, Hey, okay, what's next? What else you got for us nothing or these guys were getting acquired and merged with other companies and everybody we knew was just disappearing they didn't work there anymore and so almost overnight all the uh, the success that we'd enjoyed dried up instantly and there was nothing we could do to make it start up again and so it really we had to do some deep soul searching and reflecting like okay who are we if if you don't have all this um notoriety and who am I as a person if I can't brag that I'm, I'm this successful guy that does this, you know, design, has this company with these employees and lives in this house and my kids go to the school? None of that stuff mattered all of a sudden because I couldn't make it keep going. Right. And so it was very much an eye-opening experience to just kind of reevaluate and just say, well... Um, Am I going to be okay if this all stops and I have to completely retool my life and take my kids out of private school and sell our house, and sell this building and do something completely different? And the first reaction to anything like that is desperation to keep everything as it was because you had something that you liked and trusted that it had to stay this way. Then there's this kind of next step is accepting that the situation is different. Now what are you going to do with it? Third is making changes and adapting to it. And once you accept it and this is the new reality, then move your way forward and see where it goes. Fortunately, um, I think that's a success story for us is that we learn from failure. And even failure is not really failure. It's just a label we put on it because it's not what we hoped for. But everything that happens in life is good if you believe that uh, you're part of a bigger plan and it's not about you. And so I said, okay, uh, what's, what's going on here? And through that experience, I guess we learned how to do get back to the basics. We started out with nothing as a couple. We had this tiny little 600-square-foot apartment, so we were perfectly willing and able to go back to small if we needed to. Um, things eventually started turning around, and the... Uh, The shift in what we did as a business uh, was moving more towards illustration and creating products for ourselves instead of being so dependent on client work. And so now almost everything we do is for ourselves. It was 10% of what we did back then. Now it's 95% of what we do is we're creating books, posters, products, selling them, licensing them, doing it ourselves instead of waiting on a company to give us a project, doing that project. And when it's done looking for the next thing. Right. So adversity like that, um, my wife had breast cancer, seven or eight, years ago and that stopped everything when you get a diagnosis like cancer all of a sudden you can't make plans your whole schedule is then centered around doctor visits and test results and things like that and so anything that might have made us annoyed with each other all of a sudden became insignificant because now you're looking at well we got to come together we got to you know do everything we can to just you know stay healthy and and beat this thing and so certain things when you're not in control and when you can't call the next shot and you can't make things go back to what you would call normal those are really actually good uh times in, in your life that makes you just readjust and
0: start from scratch yeah and it's not a bad thing to start over again right yeah and i'm thinking that probably that 2001 sets you up to probably run pretty smooth through uh Two thousand and seven, when it mm-hmm. took another hit, right? Yeah, yeah. so we were in a much
2: better place the next time around, um, and I'd, I'd learned that nothing lasts forever, and so we were a lot more conservative with, you know, not living outside of our means or anything. So now when a, a bump comes along, we're, we we got, you know, nuts stored away in a little hole like squirrels. Yeah. We're, we're just a
0: little smarter about how to, what's some to wasabi on them? Yeah. Peanut <laughs> butter and wasabi. Yeah. I it's I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm still, I'm in the process of learning that lesson, mm. you know, and real estate. Yeah, down, And it, well, it's been great, but mm-hmm. that's the problem is, you know, when you're steadily, you know, climbing, and, and in in our case it's well I say this maybe I mean I like to like this you know mm-hmm. invested into this so you know there's a part of I' I'm, I'm good with the fact that I' invested back into my real estate because I'm trying to think bigger long term however it's still you know you got to watch your money and that's the biggest thing yeah. is like watch it because it tends to You know, things are more expensive now, Mm -hmm. and so fifty dollar mill here, and next thing you know, you're just you know draining through the money. Mm -hmm. And so, I recently read a book, um, Profit First, Mm -hmm. and um, and actually, I have a closing today, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm looking forward to applying those principles and sticking the money in the accounts to where. Where you know you have all the tax stuff set aside and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, and so hopefully, um, actually, I'm not going to say hopefully. This is going to be the the last time that we look back and go, man, why are we not more responsible? You know, because you don't know, you yeah. know, um, what the future holds. And it's yeah. always great to have the nest egg, um, yeah. you know, and and you feel better about it as mm-hmm. well because yeah. you don't look back and go, God, we didn't need all that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And thankfully, my wife is is not high maintenance, and mm-hmm. I was probably more desiring a bigger house like two mm-hmm. years ago based mm-hmm. on, you know, the sales. and was like, oh, yeah, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, luckily, she's too picky <laughs> to, uh, you know, there's really nothing out there. And, and so mm-hmm. now it's like, nope, we're good. Yeah. Stay put for a while and save. Mm-hmm. And, and well, contentment
2: yeah. is really the secret to, to success in life. I think if you can be content in any situation when something comes along that's not your favorite, you, you can call it bad. Or you can just say this is not what I expected. If you can learn to be happy with whatever you've got, then you're just not going to be miserable like like you would be if, if it has to be a certain way for you to be content. Right, right. You know? and, and that lets you roll with the punches. Right,
0: right. Um, yeah, because when it, when you take the hit, you, you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just roll right through it. Um, So speaking of that and even thinking of those moments, as you just mentioned, um, or even, you know, in life today, I know, uh, you know, we all still will have moments where we get down. Uh, How do you uh, pick yourself up if you're in a down moment? Mm -hmm.
2: I think having people around you that believe in you is so important. You can't do everything by yourself. I don't think we are designed to succeed on our own. And so family is a perfect place for that should be happening all the time. If you nurture your relationships and you invest and you build other people up, then whenever you need some help, you've like, it's a wonderful life. You know, um, he was the richest man in town, even though he didn't have much, he'd always been helping other people. And so George Bailey, when he really needed help, it was there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do think that's kind of been true in my own life by loving other people, um, then basically you're just building up wealth around you as far as emotional and, you know, relational support. And um, to me, that's that's probably the best way to pick myself up. Creatively speaking, I hit walls every now and then. And so um, I usually get back outside and just breathe in some good fresh air, go hike, do some gardening, do some sweaty work, and just enjoy being outside. So hard work and good times with people, I think, are both things that can get you out of a rut and pick
0: you up when you're not mm-hmm. in your best. And balancing it out, right. Mm-hmm. So you're not so much caught in your work, yeah. where you neglect the family or mm-hmm. the friends or the you know the yeah. the relationships you need. You know, yeah. to, and uh,
2: work should be a means to, to an end. So we work so that we have money, so we can go out of town and do fun things and eat nice meals together. And so, if work is all about making money, then what do you do with the money? The money should be your way of blessing and enhancing life and other people's you know fortunes. And so, right. I think when you give something away you get so much more in return than if you're
0: just hoarding it yourself. Right, right. So being a, a business owner, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, I know I deal with, um, oh look at that squirrel. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. squirrel, squirrel, squirrels in your yeah, life, squirrel. right? Yeah, so yeah. how do you, what advice um, far as what do you do to keep focused, to mm. keep the squirrels out of your life? Yeah, you have to know the big picture. Keep your eye on the prize. Like, why
2: do you exist in the first place? Why are you put on this earth? And so for me, it's easy because I believe there is a God that has a design and a plan for my life. And he put me here and gave me certain talents and abilities. And and I can look back at the examples that he's given me of people who've lived rightly by putting his principles into action. And so, you know, just the life and the message of Christ and people like that who have, you know, denied self and loved first and so that kind of thing to me is is really is is what keeps me going and if you have a a big picture of everything then it kind of everything falls into place you know don't do something that's not you don't you know you wouldn't do something if you're married and you love your wife Then other women don't matter anymore because she's she's the one you devote yourself to and so I think in our culture we have a problem so many options all the time kids don't know what should i do for a living i could do anything well pick one thing and do it really really well devote yourself to something and and say no to a bunch of other things and pretty soon you know you just narrow down your options so that life is a lot
0: more doable does yeah. that make any sense yeah definitely mm-hmm. definitely uh, don't get caught up on the shiny object syndrome and, mm-hmm. yeah stay your, focused on yeah why
2: you're here. Right. And if you don't know why, then start asking questions and do some soul searching. Mm-hmm. And our culture, unfortunately, is offers you the opportunity to be constantly distracted, constantly busy, so you never go deep and you never ask yourself these important questions of, you know, why am I here and who am I really and what am I supposed to be doing and what's my purpose? And, you know, if you don't get those fundamentals dealt with, then you're kind of just going around with no rudder, just wherever mm-hmm. the wind blows you. And so it does help to kind of say, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing doing for right now always reevaluate because it will change over time right but there's some
0: things that probably won't change but yeah yeah that's cool so um i know i was reading y'all give your your business you give back 10 Mm percent um towards charities and and um, stuff like that what? Uh, so what are other ways um, that you're impacting others around you personally, through your business?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I believe everything we have was given to us, so it's a gift that's not really ours, so we're stewards of it. And so that stewardship thing says, I'm entrusted with somebody else's um, resources, and I need to be responsible with them and treat them well. So that enables us to give, and sometimes more than 10%, um, hold things loosely. But the other thing is, is influence. Um, I've been doing the same thing for almost 30 years, and so I've learned a lot you know, just from that experience. And this is a time in my life now where I need to be given back and divesting myself of all this accumulated knowledge and experience into young people who are going to be the future of what we do in our industry. So I love having interns and mentor. I mentor them. And I'm always having young people um, come from Watkins School of Art, College of Art, or other places where we'll have them as interns for a while and either hire them out full time or just speak into their lives so that they can ask me anything they want and they can get some real life experience. And that way we're kind of downloading all that we've accumulated into this next generation, so they can pick it up and keep running with it. So time is the other thing. and just love spending time with people who are curious about you know where they could, how they could take their creativity and their their talents and make a living doing this. You know, and so
0: that's you know giving of your money, but giving of your time is is the other big thing. Right, right. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's funny sometimes I look at my son and our sons, but the oldest. And I'll get frustrated with them, and and I have to remind myself I'm 41. Yeah. Hopefully, I've gained a lot more wisdom. Mm-hmm. But you know, you immediately have these expectations that a kid's supposed to respond or, or whatever. Or and it's so funny. He'll. Uh, what were we? We were somewhere last night, and he wanted a snack. Mm-hmm.
1: Can I? Can I spend my dollar?
0: And I'm like, No, you don't need to. Just mm-hmm. save it. You got to save. And it's, you know half the time as i'm saying something i'm being convicted it's like Uh first of all when you were a kid you spent money on junk food like Mm -hmm. that um and then second you know (laughs) you you still tend to do that in different areas Mm -hmm. you know um so it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's funny but obviously i hope to you know as i continue to gain you Mm -hmm. know more knowledge in different areas you know Mm -hmm. to help give him perspective um so uh mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Yeah my support. parents
2: had a rule whenever we got an allowance and they said uh, give 10% to someone who doesn't have anything whether it's the church or somebody who's needy save 10% and then use the other the rest for whatever you want. And so having that uh from the, my earliest memory I think was just something that you know kind of helped me keep in perspective just a way to allocate stuff
0: save some right. give some and then spend the rest. Okay the- so it was 10 give 10 save and then mm-hmm. the rest you know whatever you need it for right right yeah. go if, go if, get your Dr. Pepper, if that's what you like. Yeah, and if I wanted something, like I I love
2: building model airplanes and things, but those you know would take four weeks of allowance to save up enough to have it. And so that was the other thing I was taught, was live within your means, delay gratification, Mm -hmm. wait for these good things and save up for them, and you'll get them sooner or later. And when you have them, then they mean a lot more to you because you worked for them. Right, right. And so my kids do that same thing. They don't get an allowance if they want to make some money. I'd always have some card sets for Spirit of Nashville postcard sets and say okay there's a table downstairs in the basement it's got a pile of cards if, you know they pay 25 cents a piece go and make as many as you want and you know, they so they always had their opportunity to go and work as much as they wanted to make
0: money instead of just getting a handout. Because that's not real life. Right. Right. It's not you preparing know. them mm-hmm. to be on their own. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's like like going to this conference this weekend in books. And, I mean, there's so many good, good tips and things to do. Mm-hmm. And as I'm listening to you, I just think, oh, the discipline, the mm-hmm. consistency in doing it all, you yeah. know. Um, because that's what I, you know, even from a tax benefit, mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't looked into it. But I've heard different options where if you do have your, your you know, family working for you, which mm-hmm. you obviously want to be um, truthful about it, but mm-hmm. having them do little things, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, or if you need your grass envelope, cuts. Yeah. Your kids are big enough, they can yep. cut your grass. And yep. That's going to happen yeah. this year. Yeah. that's. Uh, I haven't cut my grass in a decade. Yeah, because the got kids. Big uh-huh. Well, the last two years... I had somebody do it mm-hmm. and it was great because you know, hour, hour and a half that mm-hmm. I could spend doing mm-hmm. I want to say I would spend that exactly with my kids but that wasn't always the case mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, now I'm thinking alright, Bryce wants to, you know, earn some money mm-hmm. and this is a great way to mow the yard, you know, yeah. teach him those those <clears throat> tools. So things like that uh, are great because I see my kids now.
2: Nathan works for me, he's 27 he's got a great work ethic. Benji 21, he comes in and helps us a couple of days a week with fulfillment. He's got a great work ethic and that started from them getting insurmountable projects like here's a gigantic pile of firewood I need it all in the shed in the back and I'm not going to pay you by the hour because you're going to dawdle around and make it take as long as possible so I'll pay you by the log and so they could make as much or as little as they wanted to based on the effort that they want to put into it and right, giant pile is finally gone and they got this pile of money because they worked hard they kind of put two and two together and I think those building blocks have kind of made them understand that any big project can be broken down into small bite-sized doable bits right and if you stick with something sooner or later it'll get done a little bit yeah. at a time and then you'll have a reward for it if you you know yeah did a worthy thing that was
0: right worth it Yep, yeah. and i mean it's you're you're speaking to i'm going all right You got to start doing these these Mm -hmm. things because you know, minor, minor ten seven and three. Oh, they'll whine about it, they'll they'll act like you're killing them, but then,
2: right, they'll appreciate it. Yeah, five years later, they'll look back and they actually, a couple of them have thanked me for making them do stuff they didn't want to do, and they don't they don't think that way during the time, but later on they'll look back. and say, I know
0: was, it's was
2: good. They're selfish,
0: uh-huh. right? <laughs> We're all selfish. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So if, uh, if listeners as me talking to that, that, uh, the person who was wanting to get into real estate, mm-hmm. um, and so if people get stuck, what advice, um, and you know, they're wanting to make an impact, wanting to make a change, but mm-hmm. fear is holding them back. Mm-hmm. What advice can you give, um, to help them break free? So fear is often the thing that can
2: you know stop you in your tracks and make you make bad decisions. And if you're if you're reacting constantly out of fear, I think you're not gonna make good investments or good choices because you're you're always hedging and protecting yourself. You're in a defensive posture. So it takes money to make money, it takes risks to to have some gains, but then there's prudence in there as well. So don't be silly and goofy. Get advice from people you respect and trust, to and then make sure that this is a, a wise decision. But if you if people are saying this is a wise decision, it's just going to take some courage to, you know, do it. Uh, if the only thing stopping you is fear, then. Just go for it because fear is the opposite of faith. Also, fear is the opposite of love. And if, if you really care about somebody, you got to take some risks. And you could get turned down. You could, you know, that may blow up in your face. But how will you ever get that first date? How will you ever get married to this person that you think you love unless you take some risks and, you know, overcome your fear and just move in that direction? So I think it works that way in business and uh, any pursuit in life. You're gonna,
0: courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. So looking back, um, if you were uh, 20 years old, what advice would you give yourself regarding business, marriage, or parenting? Hmm.
2: Don't be so selfish. Um, I think back then it was all about me all the time. And most of the mistakes that I made um, had to do with, you know, just me either not being sure of myself or me being too self-absorbed or being too unaware of other people's needs around me. And so now, um, you know, I've learned the hard way, you know, make somebody mad at you. They tell you, fortunately, if, if they love you, that you're hurting them, and then you can decide not to do that anymore. Uh, yeah, so being more sensitive, more generous, um, and just more... Giving of time, money, resources, attention—I um, never lose when I give. I mean, anytime you you invest in somebody else and you give to them, you bless them, and then in return, you're blessed. And so, whatever fear I had of giving away something and not having enough, I think I've learned over time that you you can't outgive God. You can't you can't give too much because, uh, but you can't give what you don't have. So if you have it. Give it and it'll come back to you. I guess I didn't know that back then, but I've learned it now.
0: Right. I'm still yeah. learning it. Yeah. I've uh, I've always been a great um, taker, mm-hmm. receiver. Mm-hmm. My wife's the giver, mm-hmm. and uh, but thankfully, and I always said, you know, man, I want to be able to give. And I had a good friend; his parents had money, and mm-hmm. you know, so and I was always very thankful, mm-hmm. um, but just naturally giving. Um, was not always easy. So as I've gotten older, you know, it is more rewarding to get. Yeah, you
2: know. and it's a discipline. You don't have to be grandiose with it. If you just look at the smallest ways of sharing what you have, if you got a candy bar, then offer part of it to somebody else or give them a better seat in the in the room just think of ways that, in small ways that you can give and that discipline of giving every time you do it it gets a little easier and mm-hmm. so for, for me it was not easy at one point in my life and I didn't have any practice at being generous I would give a little bit very measured and expecting a certain you know repayment like if I give this much then this is what I should get back in gratitude or whatever and now um, I think part of being lavish is just give without counting the cost and then leave it up to somebody else whether it balances out in life or not and And that's, you know, Christ would would say just, you know, give and you'll be rewarded someday. He didn't say when you'll be rewarded. And so that takes some faith to believe that there's actually an afterlife and that this would actually happen.
0: Uh, So live as if it's true. And then uh, it does make a difference in how you live right now. And so while you're giving, make sure you post it on Facebook. You take pictures and (laughs) Uh so it motivates you, right? (laughs) Is that not, am I not not getting it? Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Then then you're back to self again. Oh, that's. True. Self forgetfulness, I guess, because <laughs> if you try, if you say I'm not going to be selfish and it's all about not being selfish, then you're still thinking about yourself. Right. So, right. So if you can somehow forget about self and focus on other people, yeah. Then when you realize later that I was not even conscious of myself, then you've finally
0: gotten to a level where you're doing something right. Right, right. And you just, yeah, you love seeing the joy Mm -hmm. in, you know, whoever you're giving something to, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. My wife, she's, uh, she does my, as I told you, and I... I'll have to send her here to get some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if but she loves doing it, and she's mm-hmm. so thoughtful, you mm-hmm. know. And I need to actually ask more questions for my for my clients. So she because she loves just putting mm-hmm. that thought into yeah. the little details. And uh, <clears throat> I would I'd big gift card. Here mm-hmm. you go. You know, yeah. A um, lot of realtors um, actually use our Spirit of Nashville coffee table
2: book as a good housewarming okay. gift okay. because okay, it's cool. it's got all about Nashville's history and the best places to go, and it's got a map where everything's located. And if you're not sure what their aesthetic tastes are, you don't buy them a poster or a print to put on their wall. You just give them this book and it's got all the artwork in it so they can sit on the coffee table. Nice. So that's been a, a really handy way for some business people to be able
0: to, to give something when they're not yeah. exactly sure what to give. Yeah. And I, and I haven't, you know, again, I think everything is there's a lot of consistency that I still have to put into everything, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of, you know, just having a basket of everything local, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so something like that. And well, I, I want to give the love does by Bob Goff, which mm-hmm. isn't local, but mm-hmm. you know, that's a great book, yeah. but incorporating, you know, the different elements to mm-hmm. keep it all local Cause there is so much, there's so many entrepreneurs doing yeah. different stuff. Like you said, and, mm-hmm. and showcasing them and stuff. So, um, that's pretty cool. I
2: think that's one cool thing about Nashville's um, business environment, and creative environment. There's a lot of sharing going on where people are actually helping each other out with not asking for anything in return. And you get that sort of environment going, then everybody's for each other, and that makes the whole city, you know, blossom and do well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've heard that with musicians, mm-hmm. and you know, with real estate, I have plenty of you know realtors that are with different brokers, and we you know bounce ideas mm-hmm. and you know try to help each other out. So yeah, that's good. So from the great words of Timothy in 4-7. Mm-hmm. I've, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Mm-hmm. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Hmm. Um, Well, fortunately, the artwork I'm hoping will
2: live out, you know, outlive me and still be around. So anything I create visually, I like to think that some people are going to still be looking at it down the road. But if I'm supposed to be remembered for anything, I'm hoping that people will eventually remember, you know, creativity in loving other people. So a generous, creative life is what I'm striving for now. It wasn't always my goal, but I realized at about 40 years old, hey, if I'm at the halfway point, I got half of my life to get, kind of get it right, all the stuff that I wasn't paying attention to. I can start now focusing on what really matters. And so I'm hoping that um, I'll leave behind A legacy of of helping other people making places better than where the way they were when I found them and giving other people opportunities and I'm really enjoying that about business right now is creating opportunities for other people so building something that like 50 people can profit off of because I'm making an enterprise that offers employment and resources for vendors and opportunities for anybody who wants to come along and make something happen Um, I'm hoping that kind of stuff will outlive me. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, I would definitely say, based on the artwork I've seen, it'll be around Hmm. probably forever because it's especially with Nashville. You know, Um, really cool, really cool stuff. Thanks. Um, Well, Joel, thank you so much for the for taking the time to sit down with me. Um, A lot of great insight and wisdom. Hmm. Um, So, tell the listeners where they can find you.
2: Yeah, we have a studio store. It's at 116 29th Avenue North in Nashville. And so it's very close to Centennial Park right off West End. And you can come in and see all of our posters. We have over 1,200 different designs that we've created. And we also have books and postcards and gifts, everything Southern and Nashville, plus national parks. Mm -hmm. Um, Our website is is www.adgstore.com or AndersonDesignGroupStore.com, and that's where you can buy things. If you don't want to come by the shop, you can shop
0: online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you said, you were telling me earlier, y'all do a lot of national parks and Mm -hmm. do a lot of... uh...
2: Yeah, so if you go to almost any national parks visitor center, chances are you'll see some of our poster art, postcards, or our, our book about the national parks. And so we're always creating new art, and we're actually updating our National Parks book right now to an expanded edition that's going back out into the uh, visitor centers. And if you're hiking in Yellowstone or Grand Canyon or something, check out
0: the gift shop and look for an Anderson Design Group book. That's cool. So yeah. that's definitely one way you're making an impact not only in Asheville mm-hmm. but everywhere. You know? Yeah. Because like you said, that art brings people back to the moment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Well, that's Joel Anderson, and that's his story, and I think he's probably sticking by it. Hopefully you were able to pull out some great nuggets, some insight and wisdom to apply to your life. I definitely enjoyed hanging out with him for an hour and, um, and look forward to uh, swinging by his storefront quite often and Find some material. If you are in the Nashville area and you're around Centennial Park, they have a storefront. You can go in and and take a look at all their stuff and, and do some shopping. Thanks again for tuning in to episode two of Heart of Nashville. Make sure to tune in next week as I'll be sitting down with Mariah Cole. She is definitely making a splash in Nashville. And she, again, I mean, you're probably going to hear me a lot, say a lot of insight, wisdom and stuff, because really... Listening to uh, these stories, in my opinion, people that are making an impact, um, they've had trials and errors, and they've learned how to uh, reach out, be transparent, vulnerable, and um, they've moved on, you know, so I think that's a lot of people's stories. So you're probably going to be hearing me say some of the same stuff on my intro and outros. And actually, to add to that, it's week two. And uh, I am actually putting out seven episodes at once, and it's 9 o'clock on the evening, and I'm flying out about 4.30 to go skiing a few days. So I have about six more. So you might find the intro and outros for the first uh, seven a little boring, <laughs> the uh, the stories within the um, interviews, uh, my opinion, are are pretty awesome. Just disclosing that, I'll get more creative as the time goes along. On that note, uh, if you did enjoy the uh, interview, click on review and let me know what you thought about the episode. Make sure to check out the show notes as well for some links to the videos. I am videoing all the, uh, the podcast and the Rambler, as well as the Uh, musicians that are playing so you can find a little bit more information on them as well as some of the uh, I guess a little bit more uh, in-depth interview with some of the musicians as well so enjoy and sit back and hang out today we're going to be listening to Joe Sly play a song he wrote thanks have a great week until next time The sponsors of this show are Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. You can reach Andrew at 615-973-7657 for any real estate needs in the Nashville and surrounding areas, or if you're looking for a realtor in your local area. If you have any lender needs, give Brandon Hutchison with Legacy Mutual Mortgage a call at 615-866-9468. And lastly, if you have any title or closing needs, Give David Weber with Limestone title and escrow a call at 615-730-7955. They close anywhere and anytime at no additional cost. Make sure to text Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N to 41411 by April the 30th for a chance to win a gift card to one of Joel's favorite restaurants called Bombay Palace. They have some great Indian
1: food. There's this, there's this thing you might have noticed uh, with vinyl records coming back in a big way, which is pretty cool, you know. And I think part of the reason is not only because of the nostalgia of it and, and, and just, you know, the sound and the feel and having a physical thing, but I think it, it kind of reminds us of a time when things were a little more slow. Things were a little more, you know, you had to... Few steps to really, you know, get to the to the end game instead of just instant access all the time. And it was a little more work, you know, it was a little more, and because of that, you know, I think the the rewards were a little sweeter. So anyway, we kind of tried to take the perspective of vinyl record and, and apply it to uh, our relationship, kind of like this. Okay. <laughs> slide that record from its sleeve and while the human race is running we'll be old school loving to the peaceful sounds of a disc going round like it's the 70s but you're the one who makes love and fun come and dance with me when the turntable turns we're slipping back in time, can't stop the world, but hey baby, we can try, I love to feel the way you move when we're spinning round the room, drop the needle in a groove, and it's a vinyl afternoon. Like an old town beat You're turning up the midday heat with lives that don't want to wait till tonight I'm giving you all my attention Shutting down every distraction The only connection I want to find Is in your eyes A little classic, a little magic And feels so right turntable turns, we're slipping back in time. Can't stop the world, but hey baby, we can try. I love to feel the way you move, when we're spinning around the turntable turn
0: We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.